Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and today we are doing Request Part 24 with players from kind of all over, but mainly offensive players today. So we're actually going to start off with one of our very first players who reached out and asked for a film breakdown and maybe a name that we'll be hearing in the future. I'm talking about Mason Mako, the 5'7", 165-pound guard out of the class of 2025 here in Colorado High School, who played for the Cherry Creek Bruins Middle School football program. So I'm going to start with strengths of Mason Mako. First off, Mason, thank you for the support and the patience waiting for your breakdown. And you know, hopefully this advice reaches you well and you'll be able to improve your game and We'll see you on a top five list maybe some days. So as far as strengths go, Mason's pad level is consistently below the defenders. And I talk about winning leverage all the time. And Mason, whether it's from his height or just from his style of play, is never standing over a player whenever blocking. And that is especially important at the guard position and on the offensive line just in general. Uh, or I'd say leverage is most important online as far as who wins and who loses other than just raw physical strength which mason also has you know he collects quite a few pancakes i'd say just from his first hit or pop being super strong and he has the strength to just bully some kids his age on that defensive line and also linebackers so you know i i really like mason's physicality and strength at the level that he's playing at I think that he's really good at initiating contact and that he gets his hands up first as well as, you know, just making that first hit really count whenever he does get that chance. I think from time to time, he also does show patience and pass blocking. There are some improvements to be made, but I'll talk about those later. But his patience is really good as far as waiting for, you know, the defense to come to him most of the time, as well as, you know, being able to identify who he needs to block on pass blocking situations. I also think that his hips and his hip movement is super good because he's able to move his hips side to side very well and twist them left to right, depending on what moves the defender is trying to put on him. And I think that that is going to be that that may be Mason's best trait heading forward is being able to combat a lot of different moves, swims, jukes, cuts, you know, spins from a blitzer or a defensive lineman or linebacker and you know having great hip movement helps solve a lot of the problems that you know the variety of pass rusher bull rusher finesse rush moves offer is being able to twist those hips and move left to right super well and you know at the same time as taking them where they want pushing them too far where they want to go or being able to push them back the other way using your hips is very important and something that i haven't really seen from a player his age. I do think that, you know, his his hand placement and arm placement and blocking is fairly consistent throughout his highlight reel based off of his eighth grade highlight reel. And I think that, you know, while there's obviously always room for improvement in the consistency department, I think near the tail end of that video, you can see he's constantly getting his arms inside of the defender's arms. And I think that's partially because he just does get his hands up pretty fast. And so he wins that inside leverage a lot. And he does a fairly good job of locking his el his elbows, whether it's straight out or, you know, a little bit bent and keeping him stout against those defenders. But 
now that I'm done talking about strengths, I will give some areas of improvement. And just as a heads up, you know, there's going to be lots of areas for improvement for a middle school lineman, just in general, regardless of talent or anything, just because consistency and discipline are so incredibly key and important to develop because the more disciplined and consistent you can be as a player, the more likely you're going to end up on that varsity squad and getting calls from those colleges. I'd say, you know, you listen to some of our breakdowns like Troy Fountain or you listen to the Wilson Clark and Anthony Tokini interviews and you listen to the things they do to consistently win. And, you know, those are great examples to have. So if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, uh, the Troy Fountain episode is... I want to say, oh yeah, it's our out-of-state episode, and then the most, two weeks ago, we came out with the Anthony Tokini and Wilson Clark episode, so give those a listen, but anyways, back to Mako here, Mako, like I said, needs to work on discipline and consistency, and some things that fall kind of under that umbrella is, you know, making sure that the arm placement is always inside from time to time, his would slip to the outside or get a hand on someone's back. And that obviously just increases the chances for a penalty flag to be thrown. And you don't want to be the reason that your team is going back 10 yards, especially if you have a net positive play, you know, or before the penalty, have a positive play. I also think that blocking until the end of the play is something that Mako needs to work on and maintaining that intensity. There's a lot of the time where, you know, he makes his block and then he watches the play happen. That's not your job, Mason. Your job is to go find someone else and pancake them or pancake the guy that you're currently on. He does this on both pass and run plays. And while I understand you want to see what is happening with the play, that's not like you'll know if it's a touchdown. You'll know if it's a first down, either based off of crowd noise or whatever. But you need to do your job to ensure that that happens on a consistent basis, I'd say. I also think that, you know, also, aiming low would be something for Mako to work on because I don't know if it's just that he's shorter than other kids at five foot seven in eighth grade, but he does need to work on aiming, you know, for that stomach slash torso when firing out of his stance and just firing out of the stance a bit faster. I think that, you know, while he does get his hands up super fast, I think that his stance could use some work because I part of the reason why I think his his success from his stance works is because he's a bit on the smaller side at 165 pounds. And I'll talk a little bit about his size later, but you know, having a stance that's going to land you in the right spot and get you to block right in the center of that defensive lineman or linebackers chest is going to be super important on the high school level where they're going to take advantage of you and they're only going to get faster and their stances are going to get way more explosive. So Definitely work on firing out of your stance, staying consistently low, blocking to the end of the play. And then one concern that I had is on certain pass plays, you do end up downfield. Now, I understand that you're blocking the snot out of some guy, but, you know, on certain pass plays, like especially like play actions, you'll probably get called for a legal man downfield or like five step drop plays. You have to know to stay pat while you do wait for the defender to come to you. You can't push him all the way back away beyond like five yards. That's going to get called a lot more on the high school level. And once again, basically, the more that a team doesn't know that you're there at the line position, the better. And what I mean by that is a lot of people notice linemen 
when it comes to holding penalties, false start penalties, clipping penalties, legal man downfield. So don't be the name or the number that they know because they're constantly calling it. There are the zeros are constantly calling it. So don't let the refs make your notoriety, make your play your notoriety is what I'm trying to say. I also think that working on footwork and keeping them chopping is obviously something that every lineman can work on all the time. And I think that'll help with the leverage thing as well as the stance. You know me, I'm a starts from the ground up kind of guy. So if that stance fires off low and you stay low, then you'll be able to maintain that footwork a lot more. And then this is a bit more of a next level high school thing. I, I don't really expect it too much out of middle school, but it is something to consider is communication across the front line. There are definitely times where I saw the center get double blitzed and Mako would pick up one guy or maybe chip one guy in pass protection and just mason understand that communication is going to be really important especially when countering the blitz in high school but talking about high school i'm going to talk about outlook and mako needs to put on mass i think he's very undersized for a guard at five seven hundred and sixty five pounds i get the height isn't so much of an issue I would like him to be a little bit taller, but 165 pounds is a very small guard. I know that when I was going into freshman year, our guards were even around, you know, that 180 pound kind of kind of weight. And I even know that there were some 200 pound guards as freshmen. So definitely, if you're going to continue to play guard at the high school level, you you know, are relying on a growth spurt of some kind and putting on a lot of weight. So that's getting into the weight room, eating right and getting those meals and, you know, just putting on mass because if you want to get to varsity sooner, you're going to have to be a lot bigger. I ain't never seen 165 pound guard and I don't know how much is left in your growth. So, you know, that's something that Mason will obviously know a lot better than myself. And I think that's, you know, it's, there's still a lot left to be seen. And that's why like evaluating eighth grade specifically linemen is a bit harder of a task to do but i do think that mako has a lot of potential and you know i'm excited to see what high school coaching and schemes do for him but that does it for you know um the middle school section of this episode coming up next we will be traveling to the state of kentucky to talk about a class of 2022 running back Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer on Request Part 24, and we are in Kentucky at John Harden High School, talking about Keandre Strand, the 5'9", 190 pound, class of 2022 running back. So as usual, we'll start with areas of improvement first. So something that I think that Keandre could make Keandre a lot better of a player is working on kind of like cardio in the you know anaerobic kind of sense and what i mean by that is he gets caught from behind quite a bit and i will acknowledge that you know keandre here does run track and he is good athlete he has a lot in the tank however i think that looking into more 408 meter sprints and perfecting those will go a long way in his game because a lot of the time or okay i won't say a lot of the time but a handful of times he does get caught from behind or his film does cut out, you know, with 20 yards still left to go. 
and somebody within three yards of him. And I just assume that he's going to get caught from behind. And, you know, a lot happens on the plays where he does get caught from behind. You know, he's usually already shedded like three or two tackles on his way there. Or, you know, he hit a hole and is cut back across the field. But if you're going to do all this extra stuff, you might as well score a touchdown, right? So just finding, you know, a little bit extra in that gas tank and being able to push through those, you know, tackles and, you know, the first half of plays to finish the second half of plays is kind of where I'm at with Keandre and something that I think would make him a much more elite talent. We're talking about, you know, so... While that's a bit of just a general thing, I will talk about the game a little bit. I didn't see any pass blocking film because, and I will, you know, I'll just go into this right now. They do run a wing T over there at John Harden or like a split back or full house backfield, you know, stuff like that. And I will be honest, as a scout, I am always kind of at a loss of what to think of that because there's just not a lot of programs that love that run that kind of style at the next level and you know it there's a lot of question marks to be left because a there's almost always a lead blocker there's a lot of misdirection looks that these players get and you know just counter plays in general and not a lot of it is straight out of the backfield or out of shotgun one-on-one -on -one, what happens you know on just a straight up run play where i think a lot of runners are defined kind of like the Jadaris cars of the world or the Q Jones. So I do wish that there is a bit more film on him just straight out of single back or, you know, as the trend has increased recently out of shotgun, honestly, because there's a lot of running schemes, especially at the collegiate level that run primarily out of the shotgun formation and even in the pros, you know, so wanting to see some shotgun running and as well just under center single back kind of looks i do wonder how that affects keandre as a running back and his vision and you know his success honestly but you know those are a lot of question marks that i you know that i can't knock him for any of that it is just something to state as far as things that i was thinking while watching his film and in addition to that, I also have a huge question mark about his pass blocking skills. And then, you know, he doesn't have a whole ton of pass plays. I don't doubt his hands, and I'll explain why in the strengths. But I do wonder about his route running and what kind of routes I could ask him to run out of the backfield or out of that slot back position. Or if I can split him out wide and try and create mismatches against the secondary in a linebacker or something like that. So I'd love to see... You know a bit more of that heading into his senior year if he gets any opportunities to run those kind of plays is what i'd say and yeah so that's kind of it there's not too many and i'm gonna be honest i was definitely nitpicking quite a bit because keandre is a phenomenal running back so and it, there's a few reasons why so one of the first things that i said in the last thing is mentioning his hands he uses his hands to catch so you can see that he doesn't rely on his body to make catches and you could see this in a phenomenal interception that he has at the linebacker position as well as you know he does catch a couple of flat routes in his film and he uses his hands and then brings it into his body and so 
with that alone, he already catches a lot better than some receivers that I've done breakdowns on who use their body to catch the football or, you know, a lot of running backs that I've done film breakdown on as far as pass catching goes. So that is something that I like in Strand's game is that I can trust him to make catches with his hands. And I'd love that's why I'd love to get him split out is because I think that there's a lot of opportunities there for him to make plays and obviously for my team to be a lot better. But talking about more Strand of the running back, he is a very strong and a very athletic runner. He kind of hits like lightning, you know, where he breaks arm tackles like nobody's business. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he's capable of beating a one-on-one -on -one situation a lot of the time, whether he's going to just power through him or stick his foot in the dirt and make a cut. He has great footwork when it comes to finding holes out of the backfield and then just staying balanced, honestly. There's a lot of times where he gets hit and spun around and pushed in a pile and he comes out the other end just fine and picks up a lot more yards or is even a potential threat to score. There's one play in particular where, you know, his line kind of got blown back on the left side into him and he, he spins out of it, including one guy who gets his arm on him and, you know, finds the edge and picks up a huge chunk of yards. So, you know, Strand is a threat to take it to the house on every play. While I said that he does slow down from time to time, it doesn't mean that he hasn't completed a lot of long runs in his high school career to this point. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot more up ahead in the future. I also think that, you know, part of the reason why he's so powerful is because his feet are moving and chopping all the time. So he's going to be any defender who's going to come at him from a still kind of standpoint. And then I also think that, you know, his footwork works very well laterally because of the wing back position that he plays in that wing T or, you know, that kind of offset running back position in split back. He moves super well laterally. He has a pretty good counter step. And, you know, I think that uh, you, you can see why he's able to do the things that he does. And something that I also want to mention is he is a track athlete as well. He does run, I believe it was a 12.8 is his best 100 meter dash, which is pretty fast. So he's not slow by any means. And, you know, you can see the track technique in his strides, I'd say. And that's something to, you know, gall over for Keandre here. So I'm very excited to see the opportunities that Keandre has, you know, and we'll talk outlook a little bit here as well as reflection. So it looks like last year from what I could find, you know, in seven games, he only had 67 carries. But he had one of the highest average yards per carry in the state with nearly 12 and a half yards per carry and almost scored nine TDs on 67 carries. So you have to think he's scoring a touchdown on basically every eight carries, which is absurd for a running back. And, you know, he averaged 118 yards per game on very few touches. So I wonder, you know, I think that they might move him into more of a prime running back position at you know, the tailback position potentially, or just get him more carries over at that wing back position to make his production a lot higher. I think he should be a thousand yard running back this upcoming season, permitting a full season happens. And, you know, maybe even a 20 touchdown kind of guy. 
This is at the 4A level in Kentucky, but that means a lot more than 4A here in Colorado, if I got to be completely honest. So I'm not concerned about the competition that he faces, and I'm not concerned about, you know, the workload or the stats. I do think that Keandre here is a Division I athlete, if I got to be completely honest. I do know that there is a, some work to be done with Strand as far as, you know, finding out a little bit more of what he has and if he is a three down back truly with pass blocking and with pass catching as a part of his tool belt. Um, and, you know, so, some of those questions might come up from scouts and I think that he should have an opportunity to answer those with his play this upcoming season. So just making sure that you can run routes, working on that footwork and applying it to a route running tree and applying it to pass blocking too. You know, do what you need to do with both your running backs coach as well as, you know, your your lineman coach. Hit, hit them up and see what they can offer you as far as pass block and knowing how to read, who to pick up, and understanding your scheme is super important. And watch a lot of film too whenever you're getting ready for pass blocking and knowing who's going to be coming and who your guy is going to be on certain plays, stunts, or blitzes is what I'd say for Andre here. But I do think he's a Division One athlete. I do think he can absolutely play on the FCS level. And if he proves to be more of a third down back and increases his speed just a little bit, that it's going to be really hard for him to not go to that FBS level. I do think that there might be some question marks about his size because he is 5'9", 190 pounds. If he can maintain his speed at like a 200 or 205 and still contain that explosiveness, that I really have no doubt, as well as, you know, round some of the other things out. I, he does remind me a little bit of a more powerful Will Towns, but maybe a little bit slower and not as, you know, finesse-like is what I'd say for Keandre Strand. So I think the future is bright for Keandre. I'm excited for his senior year. I wish him nothing but the best. And, you know, Keandre, if you want to come on the show, you are more than welcome. But that does it for Keandre Strand out of John Harden High School, I believe. And coming up next, we're moving back into Colorado and talking some quarterbacks. Hello. And welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm going to be talking about Eric Covington, the six foot one, 180-pound gateway high school quarterback who is class of 2021. So we are almost through our class of 2021 players, if you haven't been able to tell by the fact that we're starting to get some underclassmen and some out-of-staters on here in the state of Colorado. But talking about Eric, you know, over there at Gateway. I do think that he has phenomenal arm talent in both the power, velocity, and touch that he shows on a lot of throws. So, you know, he's capable of throwing. There's this one moon ball that he throws where, you know, he's he's moving around the pocket, he's running around, and he buys some time, and it's a post that's made its way all the way from the right side of the field to the left side of the field. And he's throwing on the run and gets outside the pocket and throws this it's got to be like a 40 or 50 yard moon ball that just gets as I want to say it gets up there close to the top of where the uprights would be and lands just in the perfect spot. It was an incredible throw that 
you know, oh, you just don't see a lot from quarterbacks in general, much less at the high school level, much less at Gateway High School. So, you know, that shows a lot to me as well as, you know, he has great velocity, especially for over the middle throws like slants. He's able to squeeze it into very tight windows or, you know, short in routes or out routes. You know, he's able to squeeze it into very small spaces, whether he's on the run or whether he plants his feet and just sticks it and throws them ever throws the laces off the football, honestly, and puts enough mustard on there to leave a bad taste in the defense's mouth. But, you know, talking about. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, his arm power as far as how far he's able to push it down the field. There's no question marks about what his arm can do whatsoever. I also think that, you know, he maintained his velocity super well when throwing on the run. And I think that any throw that he can make, you know, standing flat foot, he could also make throwing on the run. Like I said, that moon ball was incredible. And it was when he was rolling out left and stepped into his throw. So he's he's definitely a playmaker in every sense of the word. And, you know, part of what makes him such a playmaker is not only does he have a great arm, but he is incredibly athletic. I mean, during his junior year, he had 86 carries for 869 yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. And watching him run the ball is actually so much fun. He is a dynamic athlete. And his long, it looked like a 99-yard touchdown run. And I'm not even kidding on that. So... He's super proficient at running the read option, and you know his stiff arm has sent <laughs> both defensive linemen and linebackers and DBs, all of them, just put their nose in the dirt like like a bad dog that you know <laughs> took a dump on the carpet or something. He makes defenses feel ashamed for even trying to step up to him, and you know whether he's not if he's not putting your face in the dirt with an incredible stiff arm. He has great jukes and athleticism to power him the rest of the way. There's multiple, There's one play in particular where he just hits you know, that next gear, that acceleration, and makes a cut to the right, and two of the defenders run into each other. So he does a great job of making a lot of defenses look kind of clownish, and I think he's a very talented quarterback, honestly. I And part of that comes from his footwork in the run game, and just his athleticism and his speed. I have no questions about his speed or his athleticism or his arm heading into, you know, his senior year. He is playing this spring. They did unfortunately lose that opening to Kennedy South for well, unfortunate for him, but fortunate for Isaac Cisneros. If you haven't listened to the underclassman episode, go ahead and find that. That is episode 26. If you haven't listened to that, listen to the Isaac Cisneros breakdown. But anyways, Eric Covington you know, I'm excited for what he can do the rest of this season against this competition. And, you know, during his junior year, he did throw for 13 touchdowns and nearly 1,200 yards. So he was about a 2,000-yard athlete with everything combined last year. There are some areas of improvement for Eric here that I do think need to be addressed. And I'll start with some of the smaller ones first. So I think that his drop back needs some serious work with consistency and distance created you know it's kind of a really weak shuffle at this moment in time and I think that part of that comes from being a running and scrambling quarterback but you have to be able to create depth whether you're in shotgun or under center and then you know be able to consistently find that because it's going to impact the rest of your mechanics so and then 
I also think that when he does throw, his he has a loop whenever he throws. I talked about it with Luke McAllister. If you haven't listened to that, I believe that was episode 12 or 13 for the top Colorado quarterbacks. But, you know, his ball motion goes down before it comes back up. And, you know, that adds time, opens up opportunities for defenders to knock the ball out. And, you know, overall, in general, just gives the defense more time to react to your throw as well. While he does have a pretty fast release for the type of release that he does have, it is worth noting that he does make a loop and does take extra time to throw the ball. That's pretty unnecessary. And I think both of these come from, you know, uh, being being a bit more of a a left-handed quarterback he's one of the few left-handed quarterbacks that we've talked about so getting like the same coaching from a right-handed quarterback coach and a left-handed quarterback coach is it's a bit of a different experience i know because i played with left-handed quarterback and you know it was a miracle that we were able to get his mechanics to where they were because you know it's hard to be a right-handed coach and try and get a left-handed quarterback to mirror it because it'll never look exactly the same when you're coaching it as when they're doing it. In addition to that, he is also a, a big-time scrambling quarterback, so I think that him that impacts his footwork behind the line of scrimmage significantly. And then, you know, he doesn't throw the largest variety of routes, which is a bit of a red flag and something that I hope can be expanded on this spring season at Gateway because, I mean... Gosh, most, all of our top five quarterbacks threw a lot of different routes. And I think I just think that it's crucial for a quarterback heading to the next level to be able to show that he can throw, you know, especially those deep comeback routes and, you know, those corner routes, those fade routes and show potential for all kinds of throws. While he's shown it that he can make all kinds of throws, timing and mental IQ is something that a lot of those other kinds of routes address. And I think that it's a genuine concern for Eric here because while he did throw for 13 touchdowns last year, he did throw 11 interceptions. And when you watch his film, you can understand why. He has a lot of confidence in his arm, rightfully so, but there are just some passes that you know fall complete that kind of have no right to fall complete, whether he's throwing it into crowded coverage because he believes in his ball placement or, you know, he just goes with the first read that he thinks is open. There's a lot of opportunities for defenses to make plays on, on Eric here. And while he didn't throw an interception in his debut, he did go four for 18. So, you know, his arm can be a little wild and erratic sometimes. And I think that just comes from too much faith in it. And I definitely think that in general, I would just say to Eric, you know, settle down a little bit, man. It's not, you don't need the home run play every single play. So looking for those check downs, being able to complete those swing passes or their block into the flat kind of tight end or running back routes is just as important as hitting those deep routes. Simon and I talk about it all the time. I'm a huge, you know, watching a quarterback take check downs means a lot for me from an IQ standpoint. And so... Now, th those are some things that I want Covington to work on. And so looking ahead, it does look like he does have an offer from the University of St. Mary, which is an NAIA school. I think that his senior season has a lot to do with the offers that he has. But look, Covington has, in my opinion, D1 athleticism, speed, and just, you know, jukes and cuts. And I do think that his arm talent does also 
match up to the Division I level. With that being said, he is a very, very raw prospect, which is what lands him in those NAIA kind of routes, okay? And I do think that, you know, if he does get offers from D2, that he should listen to it. If he gets an offer from an FCS school, I absolutely think that he should take it and, you know, run with that coaching. But I think that Covington here has enough talent and potential, I will say, with that raw physical talent that I would consider Juco if I was Covington as far as, you know, going and getting that collegiate coaching, saving some of those years of eligibility by getting a redshirt at the Juco, saving some money, you know, so that you don't have to walk on to a D1 and, you know, refining my game to try and get that opportunity to go to the Division One or high-end Division Two level. That's just kind of what I think that Covington is capable of. And I think that, you know, with the opportunities that he's given and in a COVID season with offers kind of slim, looking at the Juco route is definitely not a bad idea. And maybe he could team up with Sean Kidd over there at Garden City. Spoiler alert. If you know, you know, stay tuned for the uh, Sean Kidd interview coming out here in a couple weeks. But, you know, that's that's my outlook for Covington here. I wish him nothing but the best heading forward for the rest of this spring season and for uh, Gateway High School. And so, you know, obviously, Eric, you're invited onto the show anytime. And if you have any questions about what, you know, junior college football is like, go ahead and listen to our first uh, episodes like two through 11, where we talk about the last season of last chance you over at Laney college. And also it includes our interviews on episodes five and 10 with Martin Ibarra and Sam flowers, who both went the Juco route to the division one FCS level. So, you know, go ahead and give those a listen, find out kind of what that process looks like and what all it entails and what the grind is like, because it's not easy. That's for sure. And Sam flowers can attest to that. But both of those athletes found a lot of success going from the JUCO level to the Division I level and, you know, just kind of figuring out what JUCO ball is like. I also think that Covington here, you know, if he does get an offer as just an athlete to a D1 school, I do think that it's worth it because, I, like I said, his speed and athleticism is D1. So I could see them trying to move him out to a wide receiver position. And I think that, you know, he could transition there well or maybe even like a defensive back or safety position. So, Eric, if you hear any of these kind of ideas or offers, don't just swipe them away because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a quarterback. Like, be willing to listen and see what they're willing to do for you and think about what you'd be willing to do for them as far as, you know, your future and getting them education and stuff like that. But that does it for Eric Covington out of Gateway High School. Coming up last but certainly not least in what will be a short and brief but overdue breakdown is Julian Hammond, the former Cherry Creek High School quarterback. Welcome back to the last segment of Request Part 24 on the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we have a long overdue request, and a lot of people have been asking where this guy has been, especially when we did our top five quarterbacks list, and that is julian hammond the former cherry creek high school quarterback who is also the all-time points leader in basketball for cherry creek high school so i'm going to start with some areas of improvement here with julian hammond and one of those is that he would have to sell ball fakes a lot better if he were to play on the next level because i mean they're just not super convincing and i think that it's just a matter of you know 
that kind of invulnerability feeling that Creek got these past two years playing football. And I also think that the drop back isn't super built for an under center quarterback. It's definitely a shotgun type of drop back. And I just didn't see a lot of under center dropbacks that create the correct amount of depth for going through, you know, maybe a, a two read or three read progression. So working on that five step drop back or, you know, that deep three step drop back would go a long way towards Julian Hammond's improvement. And then obviously, you know, We've said this about every single Creek player up until this point, but the level of talent on Creek is just so incredibly high. I mean, Chase Penry is a Division One player. Gunnar Helm is a Division One player. James Walker, I think, is a Division One talent who's going to be playing at the Division Two level and dominating. Miles Purchase is a Division One talent. That defense is probably the best defense in Colorado history, so that makes it a lot easier as a quarterback when your defense is that dominant to go out there and have fun and kind of ball out. Gus Salinksis is a division one talent. And, you know, there's just, <laughs> there's a lot of talent on this team and a lot of it that is going to find success and dominate on the next level. And when you're throwing to guys like that, it makes it a lot easier to be a quarterback where, you know, you have bigger catch radiuses and a Chase Penry who comes down with, you know, one-handed touchdowns in the back of the end zone or a Gunner Helm who's, you know, a six foot four athletic beast you know who can carry defenders and make plays in the red zone and score a lot of touchdowns so you know these are some things to consider versus you know maybe a leslie richardson what leslie richardson had to go through playing with you know some d2 guys who were kind of one-dimensional speed receivers or you know stuff like that or or smaller schools what they may have had to go through with with just less receivers and catching talent in general Oh, but that makes it for, that does it for all the areas of improvement. And I'm kind of nitpicking for sure here because Julian Hammond was one of the best talents and easily would have been on our top five quarterback list, if not for the outlook that I'm going to talk about here in a bit. But, you know, Julian Hammond, there's a reason that he's a two-time state champ. And, you know, it's because he does have phenomenal arm talent. He has great arm power, excellent velocity and touch on throws. There's this one 20-yard comeback in particular that comes into mind where the cornerback is playing it really well and there's you know the pass ends up like the ball placement is just slightly over the boundary but it's the only place where the receiver can make the ball or make the catch and make the play and he puts it right in the spot and he knows his receiver super well and he has the timing down and that was one of the most eye-popping plays because there's just one there's only one place where the ball can go and julian hammond puts it exactly there and that shows great velocity and it shows timing and it shows great iq and you know just power overall to be able to push a 20-yard comeback down the field like that he also has a really fast release you can see this a lot on the slants and crossing routes and drag routes especially over the middle where it's, you know, quick hitters or, you know, those swing passes or screen passes. Nobody throws a faster screen pass in the state of Colorado than Julian Hammond. And, you know, that doesn't sound special, but but it is because there's, you know, none of his passes are going to get blocked. And he has the ability, and I didn't put this in areas of improvement because it's not a consistent habit, but, you know, there's plays where the defensive end gets in the backfield super, super fast, but Julian Hammond is able to sidearm it to the wide receiver actually and I really like sidearm passes from quarterbacks personally because I liked to sidearm whenever I got a chance to play quarterback and 
Julian does exactly that when provided the opportunity and he doesn't overuse it or blow it out of proportion. So, you know, you know, his ball placement and speed on his release is super good. He throws very well on the run. I love whenever they do play action boots or flood concepts with him. I know it's either going to be, you know, a deep like 18 yard out route that he's going to complete or he's going to hit a deep pass down a sideline. So I also think that he manipulates the pocket super well and he's super athletic to to the point where, you know, he could take off and run, but his footwork and just his body control where he can move in between the tackles super well and buy time within the pocket is probably the best in the state of Colorado. I'm not even going to lie. He manipulates the pocket better than any quarterback, at least in the class of 2021 in the state of Colorado. I I'm willing to go on record and say that. I think that, you know, his field awareness, both when passing the ball, whether it's on, you know, deep passes that just fall inside the end zone, like that Chase Penry one-handed catch that I was talking about earlier, or that 20-yard comeback route, or when he's running the ball, he's very good at knowing where the boundary is, where the first down marker is, and how to complete those passes and, you know, make make some elite, elite plays. Um, And then, so, you know, I can't stress his IQ enough, and there's one play that I think really hammers home Julian Hammond as a top quarterback in the state and that's on this stop and go where you know he takes his three-step drop or four-step drop he throws a hard pump fake into the hitch which the cornerback bites on but then he looks to the left side of the field to look off the safety and move him to the left for about a second and then looks back to the right and completes this beautiful 40-yard pass down the right sideline it is one of the best hitching goes I've ever seen ran by a quarterback and wide receiver with an incredible throw and great IQ throwing off that, you know, safety for, for an easy completion. I think that, you know, the stop and go is just one of dozens of routes that Julian Hammond is able to complete. He throws probably the most diverse route tree in the state of Colorado, partially thanks to, you know, the receiving talent that he has there and the variety of routes that they're able to run. And yeah, he's... He's impressive in every sense of the word impressive. And, you know, it's a, I'm going to kind of spoil it and talk about it. Look at here. I do think it's a little bit of a shame that, you know, he won't be playing football at that next level. He is committed to Colorado university for basketball. So congratulations to him. And once again, he is a very renowned basketball player and even potentially a better basketball player than a football player. However, I do think that his talent for football is great and i do think that it is absolutely power five level i think that you know should the opportunity arise he could potentially play two sports at cu and compete against jordan wolverton for that quarterback job heading into their junior or seniors year but um yeah julian hammond is he's a talent and there's a reason that creek has been so dominant for the past two years 23 and 0 and getting those two state championships against you know i think it was valor both times actually and you know whether it was in mile high or in the stutler bowl so congratulations to julian on one of the best colorado high school careers of all time and man i just you know if you ever find yourself playing football again one day just know that the playmakers corner will be watching attentively but that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Be sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
please subscribe to our podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Brinker, Anchor, or Spotify, so that you get notifications whenever new episodes come out, which are Mondays, Wednesdays for request episodes, and Fridays for our regular episodes that lately have consisted of some film breakdowns and some interviews, which brings me to, you know, pay attention to this Friday. We have a very special episode that Simon and I are super excited for, and catch up on some of our interviews. We have Anthony Tokini and Wilson Clark interviews out, as well as James Walker and Chase Penry that I talked about from Cherry Creek. And we also have an Arden Walker Cherry Creek interview. Also, to the athletes featured on this episode, you are more than welcome onto the show to kind of state your case and see what we had to say about your film breakdown and talk about what it means to, you know, play football and stuff like that. But that does it for me. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer, and peace.